Why, hello there, nerds. I'm Ash. And I'm Nat. And you're listening to Crime Time Nerds, a sister podcast. Welcome, nerdlings. It's that time in the week where we talk about some true crime. Today, we're going to chat about the unsolved case of the disappearance of a local Vermont teen, Brianna Maitland. It's funny. This case had escaped me when it first happened. I wasn't familiar with this one at all. Ash actually drew my attention to it. I was familiar with a similar case that happened about a few, maybe five weeks, I think, before Brianna's disappearance, which was that of a young woman named Maura Murray, who disappeared, I think, in some part in New Hampshire. And so that was the case that was familiar to me. And unfortunately, I wasn't aware of this case with Brianna Maitland's disappearance. So I'm really, really glad that you drew my attention to this as I feel that this case is one that should really be highlighted. All right, nerdlings, it's time for us to get serious and start taking a look at another unsolved crime that happened here in Vermont which is the disappearance of Brianna Maitland. It's time for us to take a drive down the rural streets of northern Vermont circa 2004. You know, usually I know I whine about us leaving the light, but in this instance, I don't regret going into the darkness on this case. This one, the more of us that are talking about it, the more folks getting involved, the more folks asking questions. It just helps Brianna's family and hopefully draws more attention to this case and helps this case stay alive so that one day, maybe in the future, her family gets some form of answers. True. So with that, our case begins on March 19th, 2004, with the disappearance of local Vermont teen Brianna Maitland. Brianna's father is quoted as saying she was a character, witty, and generally very happy. Brianna Maitland grew up in a rural area of Vermont called Montgomery which is located in Franklin County. And the most recent population that we could find for the area is a 2010 number of 1,201. So this area is pretty small and everyone kind of knows everyone. This area is mostly farming lands, but is within distance of St. Albans, which is a bigger city. St. Albans City is also where Brianna happened to have her second job. Brianna Maitland was described by those close to her as a friendly, outgoing popular, and often too trusting girl. Brianna's mother, Kelly, told a story after her disappearance about how one day she came home to find a homeless man waiting outside of her house. It turned out that Brianna had actually given this man a ride because the man was just down on his luck and she gave him a ride to her family's home when she saw him hitchhiking and he was just outside waiting for the next car to hitchhike with. That was the kind of person Brianna was. She would always look to help those less fortunate than herself. That's so sweet. I know. So sweet. Brave. Very brave. brave, Very brave. But kind. Definitely. Brianna grew up on her parents' farm with her older brother in Franklin County, Vermont, which is super close to the Canadian border. Growing up, Brianna was extensively trained in jiu-jitsu and had a relatively normal rural Vermont upbringing. The month Brianna turned 17, she decided to move out of her parents' house as she wanted to be more independent. Brianna's mother, Kelly, says there were no stressors or anything in the house. It was just more that Brianna wanted her independence and she wanted to be closer to her friends who lived about 15 or so miles away. Which, I mean, I get it. 15 miles might not seem 
too far, but when you're in an area that's mostly farmland, it can be a be a little taxing. Yeah, and if you're fiercely independent and and young, we all we all imagined, you know, the day that we were moving out of our parents' home when we were her age. So Oh, one hundred percent. You know, I get it. Brianna previously had swapped schools to be closer to her friends, but with her unstable living arrangements being in and out of friends' houses, she actually ended up dropping out of school in February of 2004. And after leaving school, Brianna then decided to move in with a close friend 20 miles away from her hometown in Montgomery. And it was actually at this point in her life that she decided she wanted to try and complete her GED in order to better herself in the future. In town, there were apparent rumors going around that stated Brianna had been getting bullied at school, which may or may not have played a factor in her wanting to leave that school. And about three weeks previous to Brianna's disappearance, she was attacked at a local party by a girl named Keely LaCrosse, and there was no apparent motive behind this attack. Brianna's father, Bruce, stated that it didn't seem like it was really a big deal to Brianna at the time, and she had written it off as just kind of one of those situations where jealous girls, they're younger, you know what I mean? It was thought the physical attack had been prompted by Brianna's interaction with a male peer at the party. And it is of note that while Brianna trained extensively in jujitsu on the night of the attack from Keeley Lacrosse, it was said that Brianna never engaged physically with Keeley, and she ended up being hit in the face repeatedly by Keeley Lacrosse. Interesting part about that is that Brianna stayed sitting in the truck while she was getting repeatedly punched in the face. And like I mentioned before, she was trained in self-defense, but she refused to fight back. And we don't really know what's going on there. It might just be the fact that since she was trained in jujitsu, she knew how to completely take this girl down and didn't want to hurt her because she knew that she could. So that's kind of the theory that I see in this whole situation. And I'm sure you do too, Nat. Yeah, I do. I think that she knew. I think she also knew too, that the minute she ended up engaging, she would be stooping to that level. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Brianna did end up filing charges against Keely LaCrosse for the assault as Brianna ended up with a broken nose and a concussion due to the attack. The charges against Keely LaCrosse were dropped three weeks after Brianna's disappearance. Have you seen the pictures that they had of Brianna from where she's got the bruises after that attack? Yes, I actually have seen those photos and wow. Yeah. Her nose is like so swollen. Her face is so puffy. Yeah. Like that girl definitely did a number. She did. It was uh, just as a side note, it was rough to see those pictures. Yeah. And it's so horrible that because she disappeared, this girl didn't get any charges against her. I mean, yeah, that's kind of strange. And I mean, I guess I see where it's coming from, from like the police stance that she wasn't there because she was a witness. But at the same time, this girl did do something awful to somebody who wasn't even fighting back. So agreed. Totally agree. It's crazy that the charges were dropped, but they didn't have a witness at that point. Yeah, that's true. So on March 19th, 2004, Brianna Maitland disappeared after finishing her shift at the Black Lantern Inn in Montgomery. March 19th was a big day for Brianna as it was the day she was going to go and take her GED test. And she got to spend some quality time with her mom, Kelly, that day. After taking the exam, Kelly and Brianna went and grabbed lunch and went shopping. 
Kelly notes that Brianna was in high spirits and had even discussed her plans for college. While her mom, Kelly, was checking out, Brianna became distracted by something she saw outside the store window. Kelly states that Brianna told her that she would meet her outside. And when Kelly met Brianna outside after checking out, Kelly notes that Brianna seems agitated and kind of shaken. But being the mother of a teenager, Kelly didn't pry. She wanted to give her daughter her independence and just give her her space and privacy. Brianna told Kelly that she needed to go home and get ready for work. So Kelly dropped her daughter off at her apartment so she could get ready for work that night at the Black Lantern Inn. Before leaving for work, Brianna left a note for her roommate saying that she would be home after her shift. She then left for work driving her 1985 green Oldsmobile sedan. Brianna clocked out of her shift as it was the end of the night for her at 11.20 p.m. It is stated that she told her coworkers that she was headed home to get some rest because she actually had a second job in St. Albans, which she had a shift that next morning. I can't imagine being 17 years old and having two jobs. I mean, I did it when I was in my 20s, but it does t- it does say something about Brianna too and her her dedication to this goal of living on her own where she maybe wasn't going to high school, but she definitely had two jobs, which I find really interesting and it says a lot about her character in a good way. Yeah, definitely. She had a lot of drive to be yeah. independent. And on that night of her leaving that job at the Black Lantern Inn, it is stated that her coworkers said that they saw Brianna go to her car and leave. And in that very moment, she was alone. And that night at the Black Lantern Inn was the last time she was ever seen. Early the next day, state troopers were dispatched to the abandoned house known to the locals as the Old Dutch Barn Inn. And when they got there, the scene was kind of strange. It was... Brianna's Oldsmobile, and it was actually backed into the side of the Dutch Barn house. And it was stated that a piece of plywood that had covered one of the windows of the house was actually laying on the trunk of Brianna's car. So it seemed as if the car kind of hit the house with some force because it was able to dislodge that piece of plywood. In the front passenger seat of the car, police found her glasses, a contact case, her debit card, and her migraine medication. Right. It's all things that you would never leave on if under your own choice. Migraine medication? No way. Seriously. And and glasses and contacts. I don't know if anyone else wears contacts, but if I wear mine for too long, yeah. those suckers have to come out. Amen. And they're expensive. You're not just going to throw them away. Yeah, definitely not. And most importantly, her debit card? Come on. Yeah. That's shows right there that it was definitely a hurried thing that she definitely didn't have time to grab anything. Yeah. Outside of the car, there was some evidence as well. There was loose change, an unsmoked cigarette, and a water bottle. Apparently, the trooper had seen two paychecks in the car as well, and the trooper actually went down to the Black Lantern Inn but realized it was closed. After the trooper checked with the restaurant and found out soon enough that it was closed, the trooper had assumed that A drunk driver had left the car and walked home. So obviously you're out drinking and driving. Mm. You crash your car. Well, not not really a crash, but oopsie. You know what I mean? And I mean, you're intoxicated. So you're like, shoot, I can't be seen around this car. So that's just what the trooper was expecting, what they Mm. thought. The trooper didn't see any signs of a struggle. There wasn't blood. The doors were closed. And to the state trooper, it just 
looked normal. See, that's where I don't want to say anything negative, but I know that if I had two paychecks that weren't cashed yet, I would not be leaving those behind. Those babies would be going to the bank. Just saying, especially when I was that age. Yeah. And even if it was a drunk driver. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like you wouldn't just leave. I mean, Mm -mm. if you were intoxicated and you crashed your car, you definitely wouldn't leave your debit card with your name on it. No. And two paychecks with possibly your name. I don't know if her, her name was on it or if they were unopened. Right. But you still don't leave that stuff. You, you just don't. Yeah. Or your glasses. I mean, you're going to want to go home and take your contacts out. I mean, everybody is different. Sure. You can't really say anything, honestly, about it. But I just, I feel like that's not a normal crime scene. I would agree. I, I would 100% agree with that. It just doesn't feel normal to me at all. And it actually gets a little worse because... The trooper that was dispatched to the scene actually called a tow company and had the car towed away. So the house was never sectioned off as a crime scene until later on. Oh, my God. Which, uh, I mean, we're all human. We all make mistakes. But I feel like there should have been a VIN number check at Mm -hmm. that moment. Yep. Agreed. And traced back and maybe a phone call being made. Yep. Checking of the registration, who like to me, if I found an abandoned car, wouldn't I want to check to make sure that the person who obviously left the car there was okay? That to me seems like kind of what my basic steps would be. I'm not in that situation. I'm not going to pretend to know what it's like, but that would be my two cents. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. That is one of the things that I would have done as if I was in that situation. Same, same. And unfortunately, because of complications in Brianna's life before her disappearance, friends and family didn't report her missing until a few days after March 19th. And Brianna's mother and father, Kelly and Bruce Maitland, weren't notified that Brianna's car that was registered to her mother, Kelly, had been found abandoned and taken into a garage. And I mean, like we said before, we definitely would have done things differently. Yeah. I mean, at the very least, I think... One of the very simple things that could have been done and could have saved so much time was just checking that registration and who the car was registered. Because I think that if a call had been made to Kelly or Bruce early on, that could have changed a lot with this case. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with that. So Kelly actually found out five days after the disappearance that Brianna's car was found, which... Yeah. 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 A long time had passed before, which in these moments, time is everything. Right. I feel so bad for them. Jillian Stout, Brianna's roommate, also spent the weekend elsewhere. So she saw the note from Brianna and then left for the weekend, which totally normal. I'm sure they left notes to each other all the time. And when Jillian Stout got home, she assumed that Brianna was staying elsewhere. She didn't call Kelly until the next day on Tuesday. When she noticed that the note was still in the same spot from that Friday. So three days after Brianna was last seen, her mother started calling around to friends of Brianna and seeing if she could track her down. Five days later, on March 25th, Kelly filed a missing persons report. That day, while at the station, a state trooper showed Kelly the picture of the Oldsmobile. And in that moment, they found out through Kelly that it was Brianna's car. 
Kelly didn't believe that her daughter would leave her car like that. And it's quoted her saying she was instinctively revulsed. So that's definitely mama bear. Yeah. Motions right there. When the trooper originally arrived at the scene, he said he did find a necklace that he put in his cruiser. And he also stated that he had seen a woman's fleece jacket, water bottle, and several beer bottles. And it's hard to determine what came from Brianna's vehicle that was placed there and what had already been there. Because it's an old abandoned building. You never know who's hanging out or just throwing stuff out the window. Because unfortunately, that happens a lot. And it would have been a lot easier to find these things out if the vehicle hadn't been towed away in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And Kelly had asked the trooper for the keys to the vehicle and they were not found in the vehicle. And as a matter of fact, they were not found at all. Wow. I feel like that should have been a big red flag, too. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I don't know. There's there's a bunch of red flags in this case. There really is. And it just sucks because... Yeah, Brianna (sighs) paid for that. Yeah, definitely. And the crazy part is that the troopers hadn't even opened the trunk yet at this point. And this is after the fact that they had found out that Brianna was missing. And that's mind blowing. I know it. It's pretty insane. And yeah, Brianna's father, Bruce, was appalled that they hadn't checked the trunk. And he was actually terrified that his daughter, Brianna, may be in the trunk. And Bruce took a crowbar and opened the trunk himself. Brianna was not in the trunk, and there wasn't anything out of the ordinary in the trunk, just the usual things Brianna had from moving around so much. That's mind-blowing that her father had to be the one to do that. He should never have been put in that position. I know. It's it's pretty heart-wrenching. Yeah. I can't even. Uh, that kills me. I know. Kills I can't me. imagine. And the police actually didn't officially search the vehicle until March 30th. Wow. So this is a little while after. Two weeks after? Yeah, it was It was a while. The police have released that they did find DNA evidence in the car, but the details are unclear and won't be released as the case is still under investigation. On April 3rd through April 5th, there was a search of the grounds where Brianna's car was found and nothing surfaced. On April 30th, there was a full forensic search done on the car. And after the report had been filed, people came forward about seeing Brianna's car at the old Dutch Barn house. One man said that he drove by that night and said the car's headlights were on, but he didn't see anybody around. A motorist drove by and thought it was an odd scene. So they took pictures and they thought they had also seen a necklace or a bracelet near the car. Another man said he saw the car around 1230 a.m. with the turn signal on. And one of Brianna's former boyfriends passed the scene around 4 a.m. coming home from a night out in Canada. And if some of our listeners don't know, in Canada, you you can legally drink when you're 18. So a lot of the times in Vermont, even in Burlington, we're only like two hours from from Montreal. Right. A lot of 18-year-olds will cross the border and drink. The ex-boyfriend thought he recognized the car, but like the others before, he didn't see anyone in or around the vehicle. Brianna has not been seen since that day in March of 2004, and there have not been any significant leads on her case. At this point in time, it's thought that Brianna Maitland was a victim of foul play. So unfortunately, this case seems like it had some issues right from the beginning. I just wish more had been done in the beginning of this case when Brianna's car was first found abandoned because 
To me, it just seems like a lot of evidence could have been lost in transporting the car to the tow truck company. And the actual crime scene just didn't get to be thoroughly investigated when the car was first found, which a lot of evidence could have been lost in that time frame. So personally, I just feel so deeply for her family. I just, I don't feel like they've gotten any form of closure that they deserve. There's just too many unanswered questions as to what happened to Brianna that night on March 19th, 2004. There have been several theories on what happened to Brianna Maitland. One theory states that the jealous acquaintance, girl named Keely LaCrosse, who had attacked Brianna at that party earlier that year, possibly had something to do with her disappearance. Keely, it turns out, was supposed to go to trial for that attack that she had conducted on Brianna several weeks before, but they never were able to take that attack to trial because Brianna went missing before before it was supposed to go. Quite a few people in town also stated that Keely had been pretty smug about the whole situation, which definitely did not help her look less suspicious. She has been thoroughly interviewed by the police, and at this time, they do not think she is a suspect. Just want to reiterate that she is not currently a suspect in this crime. More than likely, this was unrelated, and this was just a teenage girl brawl. Not okay, but unrelated to her disappearance at this time. Calls came into the police over time. Mostly it was a lot of rumors ranging from one that stated that she was tied to a tree behind a barn. Another said she had been thrown into a river. All possibilities, but police didn't have the evidence in order to say yay or nay on any of those being legitimate theories. Ugh, I hate when people do this. It's just a waste of time. Like when people call in and say these things that are so left field and out of the blue, it's just such a waste of time. You see it in a lot of cases. You do. And I completely agree with you. I don't understand the the psychology of, of doing that because if you are giving false information to the police, they are now wasting manpower hours to investigate that crime or, or your allegations. And then... What happens is, is that that manpower hours takes away from actually researching and investigating legitimate leads. So it's so frustrating that people do this. It shouldn't happen. Yeah, unless you have like a legitimate tip. But I honestly think that this probably were people just messing around. Yeah, I think so. I don't think and wanting maybe some fame and fortune or, you know, their five minutes of fame and fortune. I don't get that, but. It happens. So one thing that did impact Brianna's case is that another young woman whose name, Maura Murray, I mentioned it earlier, she happened to go missing about five weeks prior to Brianna's disappearance. And it was actually only 90 miles away. She disappeared in New Hampshire. Maura's disappearance was quite similar to Brianna's. Her car was found abandoned and it looked like it had had a minor fender bender. And when police found it, Mora was nowhere in sight. And she also is still missing to this day. It had been ruled that these two disappearances, while similar, were not actually related. But to me, it's a little strange that you would have, I don't know, these two cars disappear or these two girls disappear within five weeks of each other. Two cars were found abandoned on the highway, both looking to have had minor accidents. It's it's a strange little coincidence. Possibility, just very, 
Very strange, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with that. In 2006, there was a tip that said that Brianna was being held in the basement of a house. And that tip was given to both her parents as well as the police. Bruce, Brianna's dad, felt super strong about the tip. He felt like it was legitimate. It is stated that Bruce didn't have necessarily the best relationship with the police department. I can't blame him here. You can't. Mostly because he felt like they hadn't taken his daughter's case seriously in the beginning. Felt like they really didn't do as thorough a job when they found the the car in the beginning as maybe they they could have. Mm -hmm. And initially, police were treating Brianna's case as if she were a runaway, which is part of the problem. And that... Brianna, apparently, in their thoughts, wanted to be maybe a city girl. You know, she didn't want to live here in rural Vermont anymore. This is another one of those assumptions that's often made with young disappearances. A lot of times you hear where people will state that they wanted to, maybe they ran away to have a more exciting life, especially young people. It just seems like such a cop out to me. No pun intended. It just... It just doesn't feel right. I, it drives me nuts because I feel like a lot of cases lose time because of those assumptions. Yeah, because how many times do you think, especially teenagers, are coming from rural Vermont or like, oh, I want to go live in New York City. I want to go live in Houston or like a big city. So many teenagers, especially. Yeah. And even people my age now, it's I always am talking about, oh, I want to move here. I want to live here. That doesn't mean I'm going to run away. Exactly. Exactly. We all said that at that age. I'm going to go somewhere exciting when I get older or when I get more money. Those are goals. That doesn't mean that you're going to literally leave your two paychecks that would give you the money to do something like that behind. That doesn't make any form of sense. So police went to the house based upon that tip that they were given, thinking that she should be located there. When they arrived, there were two people that were currently renting this home, and the two men were known drug dealers in that area. They were originally from New York, which happens to be one of the locations where drugs are often trafficked into Vermont. And when police searched the house, they quickly realized that there was no basement in this house. So that theory or that tip about Brianna being locked in a basement wasn't actually plausible. The police, however, did stumble upon some drugs, some weapons, and things of that nature. The two renters were arrested. And one thing to note is that while Brianna wasn't found at the house, it does happen to turn out that Brianna actually knew those two renters, the two men that were being accused of having abducted her. Her close circle of friends were aware of the men, and it's been noted that Brianna was reported to have been seen hanging out with them previous to her disappearance. It is rumored that Brianna could have been involved with cocaine or other drugs, and perhaps she got in too deep and the two men fronted Brianna with the drugs, which would have left her indebted to them and could be one of the missing pieces to her current whereabouts. There happened to be another rumor going around that Brianna actually lent one of the men money, and when she confronted him about that and about the fact that he owed her money, he abducted, tortured, and then later killed her. Another one of the theories circulating around was given from a woman whose sister told her, so keep in mind this kind of a case of telephone happening, but the woman stated that Brianna was being held in in some lady's basement 
and had been held there for over a week. And then she was killed, cut up, and fed to pigs on a pig farm. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. I personally find this one a little far-fetched. I, it has some serious gaps in it as to why, why was Brianna abducted in the first place? Why was she killed? Why would she have been cut up and fed to pigs? It just seems really strange. And I've heard, like the pig, being fed to pigs thing is like a old timey, uh, what do you call them? Uh, like an old wives tale. You hear it all the time, but I don't know if that's actually ever happened. Yeah. I mean, I've been around pigs on a farm and I can attest that they do literally eat anything, but mm. I think a human body is taking it really far. But I think you're right. I think that's an old wives tale because there is a saying out there saying, don't trust a man with pigs. I don't really know the true origin of that, but that makes definitely, sense. definitely a really far-fetched theory. I agree. I, I think that one's less likely. And apparently police kind of fall under the same same belief because they've never been able to really find a lot to back up this theory. And the lady who had told them the story, she while she did have a lot of details and descriptions, none of these have ever panned out. So even police don't really give the theory a ton of merit just because they can't really verify any parts of the story. So understandable on that one. Another theory states that there was yet another local drug dealer, so someone separate from those two gentlemen, who called himself the Joker. That's a terrible name. And he had been going around and was basically bragging that he had abducted and murdered Brianna. But when he was confronted, he immediately backed down and said that he was only bragging to get credibility with other dealers in the area. This is exactly what we were talking about earlier. This kind of stuff, it's so frustrating. Yeah, I agree. I don't, I mean, I love psychology, but I don't really understand the psychology of this, Mm -mm. people doing this. And I almost feel as though since he is a drug dealer, he kind of had to, like he said, have his credibility around with other dealers in the area. Uh Um, So kind of like, oh, you don't pay me. Look what I did to her kind of situation going on there. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's so sketchy. Just, and I I get, people are just so messed up. Just so messed up. They don't seem to understand that their actions literally impact whether or not police are wasting time on this when they need to be searching for what happened to, to, in this case, Brianna, but this happens across the board. So the last theory goes back to the day when Brianna saw something in the parking lot while she had been shopping with her mom, Kelly. Remember, earlier in the case, we mentioned that Kelly noted that Brianna saw something that caught her attention in the parking lot and left and went to go outside and told her mom she'd she'd meet her outside. And when Kelly saw her later in the parking lot, she looked visibly shaken and agitated. So it's thought that when Brianna went outside to that parking lot because something caught her attention, she received a warning and it's thought that it was possibly from the two drug dealers and it was on the day that she disappeared. And that was the reason why her mother found her so visibly shaken and agitated in that parking lot. In a 2014 interview with one of Brianna's friends, whose name was Katie Manning, Manning, when she was questioned uh, by a journalist about what she thinks happened to Brianna, she stated that 
Brianna, quote unquote, she owed the wrong person money for the wrong thing. And that person was in her car that night. Her friend Katie was fighting back tears in that interview from 2014. She states that she does not think that Brianna is actually alive. Personally, I tend to agree. I find this last one to be the most credible of all of the theories. It's the one that makes the most sense. It also would explain why Kelly found her daughter so upset in that parking lot after she had left the store. Yeah, I agree. This seems like the most credible because, I mean, Katie Manning was Brianna's friend. And usually friends know more about certain things than parents do because obviously you don't want your parents to know everything. Yeah, and especially at that age. Yeah, so if she had a feeling that she owed the wrong person money, then I have a good feeling that there's a reason. Kind of, yeah, that's the reason, and that's why mm-hmm. she's saying that. It makes sense, and you know, seventeen and young, everyone makes mistakes. It happens. It's just so unfortunate that she maybe ha- it was maybe that she owed the wrong people money. Yeah. Despite countless theories and rumors, Brianna Maitland has not been seen for 16 years and four months, and she is still missing to this day. So just some things of note that we wanted to mention. So Vermont consistently ranks as one of the top five states for cocaine use in the United States for persons age 18 to 25. This is a population of only 700,000. So that is considerably high that we rank as one of the top five states for co- for drug use. That's nuts. And Vermont also is ranked 23rd out of 50 states for DUI arrests alone. So in that time frame, since Brianna has gone missing, the old Dutch barn has since burned down. This also, as an FYI, this place wasn't a local party place. It really wasn't anywhere that teenagers would go and hang around It's not that kind of place. I know a lot of times you think, oh, abandoned building, that's where everyone's going to party. But this was not. The locals knew where it was and what its name was. It had a nickname. But it wasn't really anything that you would go as a destination. It was just more of a landmark where you would tell somebody to meet you there or meet you near there. You know, every town, especially in New England, we have these type of landmarks and and New Englanders tend to give directions based on landmarks anyways. But this is just one of those that's easily identifiable, but not, not a party place. Because of the onslaught of drug deals in the area, drugs were and are still becoming a widespread thing in Lots of the rural areas of Vermont, the little rural pockets, we see it in southern Vermont pretty pretty extensively, as well as, in this case, northern Vermont. And anyone who has family in Vermont knows that this little state is between New York, New Hampshire, Connecticut, Massachusetts, and Canada. So lot, it's between a lot of hubs and a lot of larger cities. So... It's not unrealistic to think that, and and it does actually happen, is that there are a lot of people who are smuggling drugs across state lines. And in all reality, it's pretty easy to access the state and get drugs across the border here. It just really is. And it's a straight shot to Canada from Vermont. So if you want to get it across the nation or across the um, country lines, that's the way to do it. Not that I'm recommending you do that. In Atlanta... 
there happened to be an instance as well where a man in a casino saw a woman that he identified as looking to be Brianna Maitland. He ended up reporting this to the local police and they went through the casino footage and they were able to find the stills of the woman that was thought to maybe be Brianna. And they even had Brianna's parents look at the footage and it was inconclusive as they couldn't tell if it was their daughter or not. Police weren't able to track down the woman and the surveillance was pretty blurry. So it kind of ended up being a dead end. March 2016 is the last time that there was any new information introduced in this case. And that was only when the police stated that they had found DNA evidence in the car. So my thought on this case is kind of tricky. Growing up here, I can definitely tell the crime rate for drugs has gone up steadily, especially in the more rural parts of the state. And I truly believe that if anything, Brianna may have dabbled in with the wrong crowd in certain instances. Because I mean, when it comes to drugs, you literally can't trust anyone. It's it's hard. They These people may yeah. seem like your best friends, but in reality, they just want your money. It's so uh, true. Yeah, so it's 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 really hard. I I definitely feel like this was a case that had drugs involved. Yeah, I mean it's hard to say exactly what I think happened, but when it comes to shady characters dealing drugs, you could very possibly piss them off pretty easily, especially if these people are also doing drugs. They're not thinking very clearly, they're really hot-headed. And even if it was something that was just being said about them, like you don't even have to be involved with them. If you have a friend right. that is friends with them and you happen to say something about them that they don't like, you might right. have some some awful things coming your way. It's crazy. It's not a good life. It's not a it's not a, a safe lifestyle by any means. Yeah. It's not. Definitely not. And I almost feel like with with drugs, it's kind of like a gang mentality. Like mm. if you mess with one person, you kind of gotta right. watch out. Yeah, you never, you don't know who you're going to piss off at it. It is a dangerous, dangerous game. Definitely, definitely. Like a ticking time bomb, seriously. Absolutely. But I do find it interesting that this happened a few weeks after Maura Murray and just one state over a mere 90 miles away. We do have theories about Israel Keys and his links to Vermont. And authorities have said that they ruled Keys out, but you just never know. Because he would come over to Vermont. He'd be in upstate New York. I'm sure he's been to New Hampshire. Yeah, he was all over. They don't even know how many people he's he's murdered is the honest answer there. Exactly. And I mean, I've been doing my research on Israel Keys, and he's pretty sly when it comes to giving information to the authorities. Yeah. It's interesting because I watched uh, an interview with about him or a, a documentary about him a while back. And... That was actually one of the things that they said is that he was very selective about what he wanted to share and he would only give information if he thought it would benefit him is the honest answer. So if he he didn't share nearly as much as, as they wanted needed him to share. Yeah, exactly. And the scary part is he flew under the radar for so long. So yeah. do I think Keys might have had something to do with this? I definitely wouldn't put it, put it past him. Yeah. And I mean, the other crazy thing is that Brianna's body hasn't been found and neither has Maura Murray's. And I do trust the authorities, but we are only human and anybody can make the slightest mistake. Like, right. it's kind of one of those situations where you have to look at something with new eyes 
all the time. Yeah. And that is a big reason why we do this podcast and why we're promoting this episode, especially because it's still a missing persons case. And yeah. the more people that hear it, the more eyes we have on this case. And that's exactly what this case needs. A hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah. And the other thing that is always in the back of my mind is like we said earlier, Vermont is really close to the Canadian border. So, I mean, at the border, they normally search your car sometimes, but sometimes, I mean, they just give you questions. Not back then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially not back then. And I oftentimes wonder if someone did murder Brianna and kind of disposed of her in Canada. Because obviously, obviously, they're going to be looking all over Vermont. I don't know if they had connections with Canada. You just never know. You never know. And actually, that's not a bad theory because uh, I grew up, I'm maybe two years older than what Brianna would be today. And so I know that us girls used to cross that border with no problems back then. Now is a very different story. But back in 2004... Even, I mean, it was post 9-11, but it was still pretty relaxed to get across, especially late at night. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I just hope for Brianna's whereabouts to be found so that her parents and family and friends can have the slightest bit of peace. And that is literally everything for them. And with that, this is still an open missing persons case. So we will share photos on our Instagram and one of those photos being what Brianna would look like now, 16 years later. For sure. We will share those photos and we will also post who you can reach out to should you know anything about her whereabouts or if you have any information of relevance, I will stress that, to share with the police. I personally don't have a good theory on this case. I I tend to kind of wonder if maybe there was some unknown serial killer in the area being like Israel Keys or something to that effect. It is strange to see the similarities between Maura Murray's disappearance and Brianna's. I don't think it was Israel Keys, honestly, in either one of those cases. I do think that both of these may be drug-related, but I wouldn't rule him out either. I think a huge part of the problem is that, unfortunately, this wasn't taken seriously as an abduction situation early on, and so, so much of the pertinent evidence i feel like was lost to time and you know a lot of a lot of crucial crucial seconds were lost early on in this investigation purely just my opinion but this is where the fact that we don't have a high crime rate in vermont can seriously impact cases because we see it with this case the first thought is not foul play it is oh you know here's this kind of inane answer as to why this car is here And I think that because we have such a low crime rate here and we don't see a lot of murders, we don't see a lot of these crimes, I think that sometimes we all as a a state, all of us tend to get a little lax on our assumptions of what something is. And I think that's unfortunately what happened in Brianna's case is that investigators weren't immediately on red alert. They didn't go to that zone of thinking that this was a crime. And instead thought that this was maybe just an abandoned vehicle. And the craziest part about it is that Brianna was missing for almost a full week before investigators were even starting to look at this situation like a crime had occurred. 
So I personally, I think I'm leaning more towards the thought that this was done by some drug dealers. I don't know if it was the two men arrested earlier, but no charges have been pressed against them in relation to Brianna Maitland's case as well, just as a heads up. You know, we like to make sure that we clarify that. But I'm not so sure that this, I definitely think that this was drug related in some form of way. And, you know, maybe they had something against Brianna, whether it was that she owed the money or something to that effect. It seems like they had decided to go after her for some unknown reason only to them. And I just feel so deeply sorry for her family. Her parents haven't gotten any clear answers in 16 years for where their daughter is. No, no parent should have to wonder what happened to their baby doesn't matter what decisions were made or what choices were made or what lifestyle was happening. No parent should ever have to wonder where their baby is at. Just shouldn't have to. And Brianna was trying so hard to figure her life out, which one theory I kind of had was maybe, maybe she had decided she didn't want that lifestyle anymore. And maybe she was thinking about getting out of it. And maybe, unfortunately, some people were a little nervous about that idea because maybe she knew some stuff she shouldn't know or that they felt threatened by her knowing and they abducted her for that reason. Maybe they were afraid what she would say if she decided to go on the straight and narrow path. To me, it seems more than likely that she was murdered. And I really hope that one day the person who did it, you know, goes to jail and serves their time because they deserve to pay for that murder, if that's the case. And I definitely think that Brianna met with foul play. And I don't think she left of her own volition. Yeah. and. We were actually talking earlier before we started recording and you Mm. had a really good theory before. Do you remember what that was? Yeah. You know, one of the things that I was telling Ash earlier was that if, for example, Brianna had gone to work that night, she'd already been threatened in the daytime. We can, I, I like that theory. So we'll go with it. Say she got out of work that night, you know, it's Vermont, it's, you know, Northern Vermont, especially I can guarantee you. She didn't lock her car door because most of us don't, or and especially back then. I would suspect that maybe she went into did her shift, and when she got out, her coworker said that no one was with her at, when she went to her car. But they wouldn't have been able to see. We've all heard that that old story about check the back of your seat of your car because you never know who's behind you. So what if Brianna had not locked her car or what if someone broke into her car? It is sitting behind her in the seat so they wouldn't have been observed by by her coworkers. What if she got in her car, began to drive away and someone was behind her in the vehicle or in her back seat and then abducted her from that position? Could have threatened her, made her drive to the abandoned uh, house and then the rest of it goes from there. That was just a theory I had, but to me, it seemed kind of like, well, we have always heard stories about this. I know in Vermont, we're all really guilty about not locking our cars in rural areas. So it's not that far-fetched. Yeah. I actually, when you said that, I was just like, wow, that is such a good theory because I mean, it would explain a lot of things. Like like you said before, coworkers not seeing anybody when she left and the old Dutch barn is only like a few miles from where she was working. And I mean, if someone's behind your seat and has a gun to your head, mm-hmm. uh, you're definitely not going to look back when you back up. You're just going to, they'd be like, okay, pull in here yeah. and you're scared. You don't know what's going to happen. You might've just, I mean, yep. she could have backed up and hit the wall. You never know. Yeah. 
that's what I was thinking is that maybe she did accidentally. Maybe he, whoever it was, came up from behind and scared her. And she then did crash into the barn. Yeah. And the trooper said that there was no blood at the scene. None. Nothing seemed to be in disarray. Mm-hmm. Um, so that theory makes so much sense to me now that you say it so much sense. Yeah, it was just, it was one, I've read a lot of murder mysteries in my time, but that to me just seemed like, I don't know, I think the person got the jump on her. and Because remember, she does know jujitsu too, so. Yeah, and like you said, there was that theory where the drug dealers had actually threatened her not to go to work. And like we said, Montgomery is a really small town, so she did go to work. Somebody that worked with her may have told the people that were looking for her, hey, she's here. Mm -hmm. Or they were watching. So obviously, yeah, obviously, you know where she parks her car in the back. Like you said, might have left it unlocked. Like in my case, I usually always leave my car unlocked because if someone's going to break into my car, I'd rather them open my car door than smash a window. Yeah. So this is why make sure you lock your car doors, friends, because of theories like that. So one thing, Ash, that I did want to say is that if you or anyone you know has any pertinent information regarding the disappearance of Brianna Maitland, please contact the family via their Facebook page that they have created for their missing daughter. Brianna's father also started a foundation that is for other families who have gone through this. And it is a foundation that focuses on missing children, and it is called the Private Investigations for the Missing, which their goal is to try to help families afford private investigators to help search for missing loved ones. The site is investigations for the missing, all one word, dot org. And if you would like to help and make do- a donation, this is a nonprofit and you can do so at that website. So we found that along our research and wanted to make sure to throw that out to everyone just in case. So when Brianna was last seen, she was 5'5". Five five. She had hazel eyes, brown hair, and she was 118 pounds. She would be about, like I said, she would be in her 30s now. She'd be about 34 years old today. Please reach out to the Vermont State Police and notify them of any information if you have any. No information is too small. So if you did see see something that day, please say something. And this case is still unsolved. And while it has been 16 years, many older crimes are solved each and every day. So none of us should give up on finding out the truth of what happened to Brianna Maitland. And with that, Nerdlinks, we conclude the disappearance of 17-year-old Brianna Maitland. As always, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week. <laughs>